0: My message today is bringing hope to a hopeless world. You know, now more than ever, people are hopeless. And that hopelessness is growing, growing, growing. And it's not just here. It's around the world. And so you can just see this thing, you know, happening and rolling out. And, and it, it really has momentum and power. And it even touches, touches the lives of believers. So uh, I want to talk about how to bring hope to that mess that we're living in. You know, Jesus, he's commissioned you and me to be dealers in hope. You know, we're here to deal out hope to people around us. As, As we've heard, people around us, you know, everyone's wearing a mask. Everyone looks like they're doing okay. But, you know, people are really struggling with some pretty big issues in life. And just being sensitive to them and asking some questions, you know, just asking a question can really open up doors. And then, And then you can pray for people or give them a, a prophetic word that God loves them and really change for them the course they're on that day. And it can be the difference between life and death as well. So just know that God, he's called you through Jesus. He's commissioned you to be dealers of hope. And as we reach out to give hope to people, and God has put in our lives, we'll find that some are not interested, and that's okay. Uh, others are going to be really excited. They're going to jump on the bandwagon, but they're going to afterwards fall away. And then some will actually embrace the hope offered and through faith in Jesus enter into his kingdom to experience life, true life, both now and for eternity. So as Darley was saying, you just sow the seeds. I'm going to talk about sowing seeds. Let them fall where they're going to fall. And you don't have to be the one that saves anyone. You know, some will, some won't. It's God's work. He's the Savior, right? You're just being used by Him. So uh, you got to be a dealer in hope in, in regards to that. Know also that God says, I'm going to reward those who sow lots of seed. I will reward you for doing this. Your rewards for sharing and leading people to Jesus, the Savior of the world, will overtake you both in this life and they'll follow you into the age to come for all eternity. What you do, that investment into the kingdom, yields a return for eternity. Now, I'm an unsophisticated investor. I started with Robin Hood, thought I knew some stuff, (laughs) discovered I didn't know anything, but I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm making some money. But no matter how much money I make, it doesn't last. Someday I'm gonna die and I'm not taking that with me. Any investments that I make, they're here. Everything in this world is left behind but when I work for God and he's an amazing employer, right? We all, work for we all work for him. When we do his bidding in his business, he says, I'm going to give you rewards both in this life. And those rewards will follow you into eternity forever. Yeah. That's it. He's, He gives a good return on his investments, right? Amen. So we're called to, to follow Jesus and following Jesus is learning how to make disciples, baptize them teach them the mysteries of God's kingdom. This is the essential work of God. They asked Jesus one day, they were in this big flux, you know, and uh, they, they, they didn't know if they were coming or going with Jesus, you know, and they finally said to Jesus, you know, we want to do the works of God. Just tell us, you know, what is the work of God that we can do the works of God? He said, this is the work of God. And they all listened up and he says, to believe on him whom he has sent. Yeah, that's the work of God, to believe in me and follow me. And so this is what we're called to do, right? Make disciples, baptize them, teach teach them the mysteries of God's kingdom. So today we're going to look at some of those dynamics and how that works. And I think we'll learn some things and be encouraged. So I'm going to pick up the reading in Luke chapter 8, and we're going to look at one of the parables that Jesus tells a pretty large group that had gathered that day. So Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. Said, when a large crowd was coming together and those from the various cities were journeying with them, he spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it. And choked it out. Other seed fell on the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. Verse 10. And he said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now he's taking this from earlier prophets, where people played games with God for so long that finally God said, Okay, I'm going to hand you over to your sin. I'm going to blind your eyes, deafen your ears, because I don't want you to hear this hope that I've given to you. I don't want you to understand it, because if you do, you'll repent. Then I'll have to forgive you, and I don't want to, because I'm really mad at you right now. That's a scary thing, right? That's a scary thing, and, and this is what's happening with Jesus and some of those people that had gathered, because they weren't really interested in him. They wanted to undermine him, take him down. So he would speak to them in parables, but he told his disciples, oh, yeah, I'll clue you in. I'm going to share with you the mysteries, the mysteries of the kingdom for you, because you're sincere in your heart and you love me. You're mine. So I'm going to reveal these things to you, mysteries of the kingdom. So only the humble in in heart who tremble at his word are given revelation and illumination. Concerning the mysteries of creation, of life, of liberty, of what it means to pursue happiness. That's only given to those who love the Lord. The rest are kept in darkness. They're held in bondage to lies. Lies that are systemic in our culture that bring misery, even the realm of death. So what are these mysteries, right? When Jesus says, I'm going to reveal to you the mysteries of the kingdom. What's a mystery? A mystery simply is hidden information, secret stuff that nobody knows except those in the inner circle, right? It's the information that you need in order to get your breakthroughs and succeed and prosper in God's order, in God's design. These are the mysteries of the kingdom that Jesus comes to give people so they can experience life and liberty and happiness let me give you some examples of the mysteries of of the kingdom the meaning of life itself i mean you know we're born and as we grow we're like what is all this stuff who are these people you know this planet i live on the big questions in our heart are what is the meaning of life why am i here and, and what who, who is God, right? Who is God? Not, alone, not, not only who am I, but who is God? Well, Jesus has come to reveal those things, to answer the big questions in life, to show us the meaning and purpose in life so that we can be fulfilled and fully human. He came to teach us how to embrace life, to explain to us what true freedom is, liberate us so that we can live as free people. We're made in the image of God. He's free. He wants us to be free. He came to reveal the demonic realm that's all around us even though it's unseen and how it intersects and influences our lives for evil. How it can actually hurt and destroy us if we're not aware of how it operates. He's come to reveal to us how to endure oppression and persecution, how to persevere in it and through it so that we can overcome. He's come to give us the keys of the power of community because community can actually safeguard all that God has given to you. The power of community to safeguard happiness is one of the keys to the kingdom the power of the tithe and how it unlocks blessings that will follow you in this life and the life to come. He's come to reveal the Sabbath as the mark of God on your life, how it identifies you with the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, that he is the creator, the savior, the redeemer and you are his people. He's come to reveal that his heart and his passions for Israel the apple of his eye and that he has not rejected his people whom he foreknew and that you through faith in Jesus are grafted into Israel his chosen people you too are chosen in Messiah so this is the revelations this is just a few of them there's so much that he's come to reveal to us to open our eyes to so that we can actually rule and reign with him in this life and in the age to come, to rule and reign with Jesus. Now I know, well, I don't want to go there. I don't have time. So let's just jump into um, Luke chapter 8 and verse 12. No, actually, no, let's go to Luke chapter 11. I'm sorry, 8 and verse 11. Luke chapter 8 and verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So in the parable of the sower and the seed, the seed is in reference to the word of God. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. They're as high as the heavens are above you. My thoughts are above your thoughts, right? But he goes on to say through Isaiah that he will furnish seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. My word will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. The word of God, that's what we sow. The word of God is alive. The word of God, as you speak it to people, brings about change. It has a purpose, it has effect, and it will bring about what God intended it to bring about. If we sow it into the lives of those around us, the word is so important. We're here to sow the word, not, 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 not what the media is sowing and what people around us are sowing, what our own natural hearts want to sow. We're here to speak the word of God. It's alive, living, full of blessing. And when we speak that, it goes into the hearts of people And just like seed in the soil, it takes a while to germinate. We water it by praying for those people that we're sowing seed into. And it begins to grow and has this effect and it changes people. They interact with it. They either reject it or embrace it. And it has this powerful effect. So we take the word as seed. Every verse is a seed, right? In Isaiah 55 and verse seven, it says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man, his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. That's a good word. That's a good word for people, especially people that are lost, alienated because what the word says is I love you. You return to me. I'll forgive you. I'm here to pardon your sins, not condemn you. See, that's a good word for anyone that's struggling with, you know, God can never love me. That could change everything for a person. The word of God is alive. Luke 8 and verse 12. Let's get back to the meaning of the parable. He goes on to say, those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they will not believe and be saved. These are the ones that really don't care about God. They don't care about his ways. They don't care about his offer of forgiveness. They're happy with life as it is. They have what we call a slave mentality. They've settled for temporary, transitory things in this life. They have chosen not to be saved from the coming judgment on a sinful world. For them, I say, hey, just move on, let them go. That's not good soil, right? You just move on. Have pity on them for the day will come in which they will grind their teeth and cry out when they realize that the grafts for things they could not hold on to. And in the end, lost that which could have been for eternity. Verse 13, Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. So people are going to respond to your words. Some are going to go, I'm not interested. Please leave me alone. They won't be that nice. (laughs) Move on. Move on. You're going to find people that respond and get really super excited. And then all of a sudden something happens and they're like gone. Don't be heartbroken over that. Don't take that personally. There are just people like that that are not going to stay with this. At the first hint of temptation, the first testing of their faith, it's going to be revealed that they have no real staying power. See, the test is a test of faith, and temptation comes to all of us. In that test of faith, we get to see whether or not we'll continue to love God. Will we stay true to his ways? Will we stay true to his commandments? I always say start with the Big Ten. Those are the easy ones. Look at the Big Ten. Those are the great tests on whether our faith is true. In Revelation chapter 12, and verse 17, It says of Satan, so the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. We're in a war. We're going to be tested. The enemy's going to assault us. What are we going to do? That's the test of faith. Those that fall away quickly, it's because they never really believed their faith was not genuine. There was nothing there to, to really grab hold of in terms of their heart and their life. And so they fall away. So are you going to run into people like that when you share? That's okay. Just let them go and move on. Luke chapter 8 and verse 14. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. That's an interesting group of people because these people actually believe. They come in, they get excited, and they begin to grow. They don't fall away, right? They just get to this place, and all of a sudden, in the distraction of the things of this world, they stumble around. You know, you can see it in, in congregation. People come for a while, then they miss for a while. Then they come for a while, then they miss for a while. There's always something that comes up, you know, worries, the worries of life, right? Or the pleasures of this life, or, or, or trying to pursue riches. And, and so they're missing Shabbat, they're not coming, it's kind of hit and miss. Yeah, what happens? They never really grow up. They're here for a decade or two, and they're still like a new believer and you're like what you know you're not growing you know you should be six foot by now but you're still two feet and you're worried about so many things and you get distracted and you lose your momentum it's happening all around us oh I'm not going to go to church I might get COVID can't go to church might get COVID-19 it's everywhere right I might get COVID and die Better not go out anywhere, especially to church. I'll go to King super's because I'm hungry, but can't go to church. COVID's at church. Our pursuit for food, just the basics in life, right? Our, our pursuit to have food and shelter and clothes sometimes can become a point of idolatry. You know, we, w- we want stuff, so we work and we compromise in our service to God because we're pursuing these things. I want to be rich, right? I want to be rich. And people that want to be rich sometimes will work 24-7. And they end up just not growing because they're hardly ever here. First Timothy 6, 9-10 through 10 says this, But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare, And many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs if you make a bunch of money really quick don't It's a lie. The get rich quick schemes don't work. Don't set your heart on money and riches. Set it on the kingdom of God. I did the get rich quick stuff. Me and Don, right? We wanted all the stuff now early in our life when we first got married. Right? So we got into different things, you know. putting laundry soap in our garage and drawing circles and telling our friends, you can be a gazillionaire in two weeks, you know, just buy some of my soap or whatever. But we got into all kind. We did stuff, man. And, and, and then we got into some investment deals that were giving us a, a, a return that you just don't get unless it's Illegal. And we're too young and stupid to figure that out. So we're involved in this thing. We're making money. We're showing our friends our checks. They're wanting to get in and make money. So they're joining and they're getting checks and we're all getting checks. We're all getting rich quick. Then the IRS notifies me. (laughs) What you're doing is illegal. We're gonna give you about 90 days to turn all your money back in and get this all straightened out with us in our offices or you're going to jail. I'm thinking, man, you know, I got to pay a bunch of money back. I spent most of it. I'm not sure I'm going to do this, but I got to get straight with the IRS, right? (laughs) So I found another one to make a bunch of money real quick and made a bunch of money real quick and paid the IRS back. And I can't even tell you what that one was either because it was just as bad as the other one, but I learned my lesson. And so I want to tell the IRS I've been paying taxes for a long, long time, happy to pay taxes. I learned my lessons, thank you. But for the community to help the younger and new generations that are coming up, if you set your heart on, on, on getting rich and that's your focus, you'll be led down a lot of different corridors that could end up being very painful and destructive in your life. Don't do it. Love of money can become an idol and destroy your life and those around you. These things choke out what God has for us. The very source of life that causes us to grow. Jesus summoned a, a, a crowd, a different setting, summoned a crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? and forfeit his soul. For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I gave my life up for Jesus. I was at a place where after I mocked, ridiculed, played games with Ron for a long, long time, when I got myself in some real trouble, and let let me tell you, I want to tell you, you said, well, you were just 18, you know? I mean, you're, you haven't even lived long enough to know what trouble is. No, let me tell you something. At 18 years old, you can do some really stupid things and end up in jail for life. And I want to tell you, I was on a bad, bad track with some bad friends, and I was, I was on the brink of really, really messing up my life. And I know myself. I, I, my, my whole life, I've lived fast and hard. That's how I live, fast and hard. And I can tell you by the time I was 18, I was already fast and hard into some pretty stupid stuff. And I know where that was taking me. I know where that was going. And I can tell you right now that if, if the Lord had not gotten a hold of my life within another year or two, I probably would have been in a place either in a, either in a psych ward flipped out because of what I was doing or, due to the associated crime, when you are doing drugs and stuff, end up in prison for years. May, who, I, know, I know what I was capable of doing, and it was already in a big, terrible place. And I was crying out to God. Anxiety attacks. I was demonized. And I turned to the only person that I knew had the goods. The one I mocked, made fun of, and ridiculed was the one I knew could help me. So I I wanna encourage you that when you're working with people, you love on them. Don't take things personal. When they lash out at you, you know, the scheme of the enemy is to get you just to give up on people, don't you ever give up on anyone. You love, you pray, and you wait. You sow those seeds, because they'll have an effect. And I can crash into the kingdom as he led me to the Lord, changed my life forever, changed John's life forever, and, and, and even when I give up my life, because when I came and surrendered to Jesus, you know, there was this aspect of, I'm not surrendering anything, my life's jacked, it's broken, I'm a mess, I give you nothing in exchange for beauty, yeah, he took my ashes and gave me beauty, Yeah, that's an amazing thing, but regardless, it doesn't matter if you try to hold on to your life, it's going to like running water through your fingers, slip away in the end. It's gone. You you can be very successful in life and have a bunch of stuff and have the easy, the easy life, you know, but it's just a vapor of time anyway. Anyway. What good is that anyway? You can be a billionaire. Who cares? You're only a billionaire for a very short period of time. And you lose it all for eternity. And the horror, the terror to come. Oh, man, I'm telling you right now. If I was a billionaire, I'd give all all of it up. Because nothing in this life is worth holding on to. The only thing worth holding on to is your soul. Is you. Is you. You give that to God, and he'll give it back forever. What you give, you keep, and what you keep, you lose. Minister Don, come on up. She just wants to say something. Everyone else has too, so go ahead. Um, I think this is really important that I have talked to a lot of people, and they said, well, I'm going to accept Jesus when I get my life straightened out." Well, the thing is, you're never going to get your life straightened out. The thing is, is Jesus helps you get your life straightened out when you give your life to him. Yes. Because he's the one that transforms you and changes you and helps you overcome sin. Yes. Amen. Thank you, (laughs) Don. Yeah, I'm going to get all cleaned up so I can take a shower. No, no, no. You, You get in the shower to get cleaned up. You come to the, the fount of the blood of Jesus to get clean. You don't get cleaned up to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus to get cleaned up. Yeah, that, he came for us. He loves us. I can tell this is prophetic, all right? I'm going to do part two probably next week. I don't think I'm getting through this. We are basically out of time, but let me end with this passage. It's part of the mystery of this world that we're living in. No one can serve two masters. This is Jesus speaking. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason I say to you, Don't be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, not for your body as to what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spend. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. I have these lilies that come up every year in, my, in the back of my yard in the rocks. I don't even know how they got there. It's a great surprise. Every year when they come up, and they're only up for like a, about two weeks, but when they come up, the colors, the glory, the beauty, I just well, I water them every day. They're, they're dead now. I mean, there's no flowers. They've just got the green leaves, and I just still go there. I just water those beautiful plants, thanking them for what they give me every year. I think, wow, amazing beauty, right? And God says, are you not much more beautiful than these, right? And if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now here's the big key. Jesus says, but you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. All the things that everyone worries about, all these things that people strive for—you yeah. know—the word cl- world is clamoring for these things, right? Out looting, robbing, stealing—all worked up, looking at each other's stuff. Yeah. God's saying, "If you'll seek my kingdom and my righteousness, I'll just give it to you." I'll just give you that stuff. Give it to you. Pass it out with great generosity. When we put his kingdom first and the righteousness which comes through faith in Jesus, when we bow to King Jesus and receive his righteousness, all these other things follow us. Yeah, I don't follow money. I used to money follows me things follow me my needs are met through my father in heaven and i'm at peace and i'm enjoying life even in the midst of adversity amen all right shabbat shalom